0: Martha Stewart here. As a devoted pet parent and culinary expert, I ensure my cats and dogs are fed the finest nutrition. My premium pet food features air-dried protein inclusion, whole fruits and vegetables, and never any fillers. Martha Stewart Pet Food Formulas make it so easy to satisfy the dietary needs and taste preferences of your pets. Now all six delicious formulas are 50% off. And there's convenient home delivery on Chewy.com. No more lugging heavy bags and your pets will thrive on the optimal nutrition and great taste.
3: I do think restaurants are, you know, this kind of space in which people get to come together and have these very memorable experiences. So I am a student of what makes them work.
0: David Rockwell has had tremendous impact on the way that many people encounter spaces. His work ranges from the restoration of Grand Central Terminal to a pop-up venue for TED, to the global Novu brand and the Oscars. He has designed 275 restaurants and the sets for 75 Broadway and off-Broadway shows. He is the first architect to win a Tony and two Emmy Awards. It's a pleasure to be here in your Rockwell Group headquarters recording my podcast today, David.
3: Thank you for coming. It's great to have you here.
0: It's so nice. And uh, I was here once before I remember judging... Uh, an architect's gingerbread contest. I remember. (laughs) It was very fun to see what real architects come up with in the design of gingerbread.
3: Well it's also interesting having you as a judge which brought some rigor and got everyone to full attention on their construction. Yeah it
0: was a lot of fun and uh, just this year there we go again making gingerbread for a new tv show Martha Cooks and and uh, we made a giant replica of my stable, my three-building stable oh my up God. in Bedford, um, and it really is kind of complicated. And uh, and it helps to have uh, good dough and uh, good icing.
3: Was it all edible? Every part of oh the- yes,
0: all except for the pins that hold the 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 walls together,
3: yeah,
0: the corners. But um, you have done just an incredible, incredible. I feel like I've been in so many of your spaces. Over the years, uh, and I know I have actually. When I read your the lists of the things that you have designed, created, and and uh, and envisioned all over all over the world, it's just incredible. W- number one, um, Nobu restaurants. That's my most most memorable um, remembrance of all your stuff because I used to go to Nobu's first restaurant. I remember, and uh, we had our party there. He allowed us to do the first party at the original Nobu. Wow! And it was such a beautiful party. Um, And it was so incredible that Matsuhisa himself, Matsuhisa-san, would allow, uh, you know, just an author to come in there and and take over the space and and serve delicious Japanese food uh, to a bunch of book lovers. But... He has always been so generous, and you designed a space that nobody had ever seen before in New York, not in a restaurant. Right. And uh, how did you meet Nobu?
3: I met Nobu because I was designing an event for City Meals on Wheels. I wasn't yet a board member, but I was designing an event called Feast of the Many Moons. So that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. I think the original Nobu opened in '94. Um, so it must have been 92. Well, you know,
0: I, I say it's a long time ago. It's not that long ago. When you really think about it, it's like 20-something years ago, right?
3: In restaurant world, it's a long
0: yes, time. Yes, it is a long time. And uh, and that Nobu incorporated uh, your design for many, many, many different kinds of surfaces, many yeah. kinds of materials in a restaurant. Many had never been seen before in a restaurant. Right. And it was astonishing to all of us that uh, that you would take so many diverse uh, objects and, and materials and create a very beautiful cohesive interior for a Japanese man who had learned how to cook in Peru exactly. <laughs> and came to New York with the, his idea of new Japanese cuisine. And, you know, Nobu and I have become nice friends over the years. Uh, I even went to Japan with him and visited many, many sites in Japan and went to the Tsukiji Fish Market with him and got my sushi knife carved with my name in it. But um, but he is now has how many restaurants?
3: 30-something. And have you designed every one? We've designed most of them. Yeah. He has a couple of fairs now and then with other people, but we're the <laughs> the main designer. And, you know, really it was like meeting a brother when I met him. And when I proposed the design be based on his narrative. He was very humble about that. He didn't understand how you would base the design on the narrative, but you mentioned Peru. So the combination of South American colors along with sort of Japanese rigor, um, the idea of texture and surfaces that related to his fish, the idea of a three-star restaurant with no tablecloths were all ideas we developed with him, and um, and he's been the most generous collaborator
0: well, then you went to Fifty uh, Seventh Street with right. Nobu in New York. The Nobu's first restaurant, I think, in the United States was in Los Angeles, right? not Matsu- the, the called great Matsuhisa. Matsuhisa. Yeah. yeah, I eat there. I, I do not miss a tr- I do not miss a visit to that restaurant when I go to L.A. ever. Um, and it is hard to get into. And so, if you're going to plan a trip to Los Angeles, please make your reservations ahead of time. It's but, totally
3: worth it. I but it is
0: totally worth it. And in New York. Just going from, the the first restaurant is now closed.
3: Yeah, it was on Hudson Street. That's right. And it had next door Nobu next to it. Yes. And those moved together down to um, Fulton Street. Right,
0: and I love that restaurant too, which is downstairs yeah. uh, in a beautiful building. Uh, and that is a beautiful space. It's an incredible space. My grandchildren love going there.
3: And it was a real challenge because downstairs has no windows yes. and upstairs is landmark. Right. Which is what's the set for the movie Wall Street, those giant stone columns.
0: Oh, so, so, uh, but you did a, an amazing job down there because it seems airy and light, well, very high ceilings and then low ceilings and some.
3: It, it was a total labor of love where they were willing to just let me embrace every material, every texture. Because I think nothing's arbitrary about Nobu's food, his combinations of, of textures and flavors. Right. But uh, then, you, but 57th Street, now
0: that's the craziest restaurant in New York. Crazy. The craziest, one of the most profitable and largest grossing restaurants ever, ever, ever in New York City. Downstairs, as you walk in, uh, right, right on 57th Street, a bar that is packed like sardines every single night. Uh, that must be a very, very
3: productive bar. <clears throat> well, that was a challenging space because all the space is up 18 feet, so... Um, people walk up 18 feet of stairs to get to a second floor. Yes. It was, it was a skiware shop. Uh-oh. So the ceilings are only 11 feet upstairs. Upstairs. So that's.
0: But you look at the ceiling and you see these rings. You see rings of different sizes everywhere. And then you think, what, what are those rings made out of? They're all different. Then you realize that they're slices of bamboo. Uh, set in, is that an acrylic that they're set in? They're or? set in
3: terrazzo. It's a very a soft material and a very hard material. Oh
0: boy! On the ceiling? Yeah. It's how do you put a terrazzo on the ceiling?
3: Well, so here's a secret to that. Okay, um, I want
0: to know. I want to know <laughs> all of David's secrets because they are amazing.
3: Um, so the first thing we did is the wicker material that wraps the whole restaurant is abaca. It's a wicker wrapped around metal. Oh. And we designed it with 3D software, but it was bent by hand. Uh, and from that, that, ter- that holds the terrazzo. We found this great terrazzo maker and said, we'd like to embed bamboo in the terrazzo and then polish it so it looked like the cross-section of a sushi roll. Yeah,
0: that's what it, that's what it looks like. I yeah. mean, many sushi rolls, hundreds of them.
3: Yeah, it's one of my favorite materials. But I've is it done.
0: cement or some other material?
3: Well, here's he the won't se- tell
0: me. He will not tell me what I'm it gonna is. I'm going to tell you
3: the secret. But do You won't tell anyone else. I will not. Although we're on the radio, <laughs> evidently. Podcast radio is so old. God. Uh, it is terrazzo on the wall. On the ceiling, it's a high-resolution photo. A photo? Yeah.
0: <gasps> so it's just like paper glued up there? It is. Oh.
3: But the terrazzo on the back trick wall. Trick
0: of the eye.
3: But the terrazzo on the back wall is real. Yes. So you make that connection. Yeah. You want to believe. Oh,
0: my gosh. It is, it's is—it's incredible, really, and, um, and and affordable.
3: And it, t- it typifies, I think, what makes dining such an important social activity is there's lots of booths where you can have your intimacy with your group, but you really feel like you're part of this bigger social scene. And, well, and you go
0: in there, you go in and sit down, and I usually get a booth because Nobu knows me, so I get a booth. Uh, one of those nice open booths that you have to, walk. everybody has to walk by you because they're going to go to the restrooms behind. And those
3: booths are open to the sushi bar on the other yes.
0: side. Yes, And I love it there. And I love the sushi bar, too, because you're private there with your backs to everything. It's so good. And uh, and it was it's an incredible, incredible design for a restaurant that accommodates hundreds of people every single night in one of the noisiest, but yet very congenial locations in New York City. Yeah. And that's what your restaurants are. I think they are very uh, congenial.
3: Well, I appreciate um, that. And I've
0: been to, they, they keep track. Nobu Nobu's people are very good. They keep track of where you go and where you've been. So I remember going to, I think I was in Dubai or someplace. And oh, then, my God, that's And Dubai. then the next next week I was in the Bahamas, and they knew that I had been in Dubai, and they said, "Oh, welcome."
3: Did you go to the one in Abu Dhabi? Yes. Which is a ground-up building. that yes. sips off of the four seas. And, and then,
0: then uh, the week after that was in the Bahamas, and I guess in um, in Atlantis. That's right. Yeah, that was fantastic. And then you come back to New York, they know you've been in the Bahamas. <laughs> they're very, they're very good, but but it's um, it. But each one is unique. Each restaurant is unique, and yet you still know that. In a David Rockwell space, once, tra- you, know, once we, you know that it's David Rockwell,
3: we try to find local artisan and craftsmen wherever we go, so that there is a local element yeah. that you know doesn't need to be something that uh, a customer would know about, but it just embeds something a little bit unique in each one. Yeah.
0: Well, it's uh, now so were restaurants the first thing that you started designing? You, tell tell us your background a little bit. Where did you go to
3: architecture school? I went. So I was, went to high school in Guadalajara, Mexico. My family moved when I was 12. So I had that love of spectacle and vibrancy. And I thought what I was going to study was theater. My mom was in theater. Um, but then She I, was in vaudeville? She was in vaudeville. She oh, toured great. with Abbott and Costello. She did? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How lucky. I have a picture of her doing that.
0: How lucky. Oh, I loved Evan and Costello so much.
3: So I was brought up with this love of theater. But in Mexico, I started to get very interested in architecture. The marketplace in Guadalajara is one of the great marketplaces in the world. It's a, it's a modernist structure.
0: Colorful, noisy, delicious, Random. everything.
3: Yeah. Um, but I ended up getting more interested in architecture uh, and went to Syracuse University, which was, I made a lucky guess that architecture was what really worked for me. And I was near three of my brothers who were in New York. I knew I wanted to stay connected to the theater, so Syracuse did that. And then I spent one year in London at the Architectural Association, which really reignited my love of theater because it's so accessible there. Uh, And then worked for a number of firms, different kinds of architects, recording studios. um, And I had designed something called, that I don't think you'll remember, heard about, because it was a fast blip, called uh, the Wildcat Saloon, which was the Crazy Horse Saloon from Paris coming to New York.
0: Where where was that?
3: East 54th. And I was the junior architect on the team, but I was running it, working for another firm. And I got approached by a restaurateur who owned sushi, wanted to create Sushi Zen, the first Sushi Zen. And so- I ate
0: at the first Sushi sushi Zen. I loved it.
3: I, I did what I tell young architects not to do. I always tell them, don't put every idea you ever had into your first project. But I just was so in love with that opportunity. Um, we created this long silk mural that Donna Renata from uh, Santa Fe Opera made for me. Oh, great. So that, in 84, I just decided to, to go into business. And um, you mentioned Nobu. Nobu was a true breakthrough project for me.
0: And, and, and obviously it's, it's historic because uh, everyone runs to see the new Nobu, no matter where it is, because uh, you're... Creativity just is uh, on, on display in every single aspect of those restaurants.
3: And then I was lucky enough about 20 years ago to work back into doing theater. I spent four or five years, 90, 95 through 99, sketching for directors, developing ideas, and then Jordan Roth offered me my first Broadway show.
0: Dear Jordan, wasn't he like a baby then?
3: He was a baby. It was his <laughs> first Broadway show too. Which one? With the Rocky Horror Show,
0: oh, it's I'm,
3: Circle in the Square.
0: Oh, I forget that he did that. Yeah. How old was he when he did that? Like seventeen or something?
3: He, I think he had not gotten. He, he went back to Dartmouth for an MBA after that. He was very young.
0: Very young. But so very and that was, uh, perceptive. But that was a really great show, The Rocky Horror. We would go on Friday nights to see it because, uh, right when I was at high school and and uh, I guess in college too, and go and see that
3: fantastic show. It was such a gift because in my mind I thought my first Broadway show would be The Cherry Orchard or some more obscure... But I
0: I have... I mean, this is kind of uh, interesting to me. I've never really thought of Broadway as a piece of architecture. Mm -hmm. And yet... It's all about architecture. I thought it was a set designer that designed the set. So do you work with a set designer?
3: No, I do set design. Oh, so you
0: are the set designer, but you are also the architect. Yeah,
3: so subsequent to that, I've studied set design, and I have worked for an amazing Broadway lighting designer named Roger Morgan, who I apprenticed with. And um, So in that case, I think there's so many links between set design and architecture um, and the kind of architecture I'm interested in, so and with, and
0: when you go to see a show, I just saw uh, MJ, okay, yeah. Michael Jackson,
3: amazing show. It
0: is, and the set is really interesting, really interesting, and it changes so quickly and frequently that I was I was thought a lot about the set during that show because that's one of the best parts of the show except for the music and the and the lead. It's like and amazing the and the dancing. But um, the music was very loud and I took two young girls with me, my, my granddaughter and her friend and too was, loud or they loved it. It was too loud for them because they you know they're young and they are sensitive but,
3: but you know and and we were
0: close but they loved the show.
3: What I'll tell you an interesting point of overlap. Every moment in MJ that made an impact on you, required collaboration between choreographer, tech uh, director, set designer, lighting designer, video designer. It's such intense collaboration, and for me, it's one of the ways I approach restaurants and public spaces through collaboration. And
0: silence. I mean, in a show like that, everything has to move silently.
3: And predictably, and
0: predictably, and not fall down in the middle of everything. <laughs> but it's the ultimate There's... example
3: of an experience that's temporal, but it lives with you forever, and it requires real collaboration.
0: And you've worked on so many shows. How like how many shows now? Do you think
3: a lot of shows,
0: like fifty more?
3: Uh, on Broadway, probably twenty-five or thirty um, original productions.
0: And your favorite show of all time that you designed?
3: Um, my favorite child. Yeah. Um. Well, I would probably say Hairspray because it was such um, an unexpected joy to be invited to do that and then get a tour of Baltimore by John Waters and get get the most eccentric view. Uh, And it was just an explosive, amazing um, experience. Although we just finished designing the sets for Into the Woods, which is on Broadway right now.
0: I have yet to see that and I cannot wait. I'm taking taking my granddaughter because she's theater oriented
3: but it's a very simple set but yeah. very powerful, powerful. so e- each one have you did, done opera yet i have done opera yet. Yeah.
0: oh you have like which one
3: i did carmen uh co-production with uh, houston and san francisco with rob ashford directing wow fantastic and,
0: and any movies
3: i did one movie uh and it was an unlikely movie it was team america which was um the south park team matt stone and trey parker all done with marionettes and I got a phone call asking if I wanted to do the the sets and I said absolutely so once a week I was in LA and it was it was amazing I like experiences I haven't done before like you well you're so creative and
0: and it, and it shows uh, in your work. Martha Stewart here. As a devoted pet parent and culinary expert, I ensure my cats and dogs are fed the finest nutrition. My premium pet food features air-dried protein inclusion, whole fruits and vegetables, and never any fillers. Martha Stewart pet food formulas make it so easy to satisfy the dietary needs and taste preferences of your pets. Now all six delicious formulas are 50% off. And there's convenient home delivery on Chewy.com. No more lugging heavy bags and your pets will thrive on the optimal nutrition and great taste.
1: Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days.
0: Theater is such an intense, and you got, you don't have much time to work on a thing,
3: do you? Do don't. You don't. I'm in tech rehearsals right now for a new Broadway show called The Beautiful Noise, which is Neil Diamond's music, and the oh, story I'm of his fit. development, and beautiful music, and... Um, Did he have a meaningful other... He didn't have a mean father. Oh, good. <laughs>
0: Cuz most of these most of these, most of these auto, uh, or Broadway musicals it's always the mean father it's and so the true. caring mother and that's like that, MJ. Part of the, that part of the story you can just forget for me. No, and and then I want to I want to see the music and the dance and the and, uh, and the real real Michael Jackson, you know. And uh, it's so it's so funny.
3: But, but yeah, uh, theater, theater is very demanding that way. Um, but it's it it pays off in for me, it's a master class in learning from other people, and um,
0: so most of us who think about architecture never envision our architect going off and designing a Broadway musical, a play, a movie. We never, never think about that. We want our architects to build our, to design our homes. But or, what about
3: designing plates and flatware? Architects can do that. Oh, so why not Broadway shows? Well, no,
0: that's right. Why not? And museums. Uh, have you worked on a museum yet
3: I have worked on several museums Um, we just finished an incredible experience for the Smithsonian it was a one-year pop-up about the future called the futures in the arts and industry building which is the oldest building on the Smithsonian campus Mm. this incredible brick extravaganza the building and it was a one-year pop-up all about the future Um, what are the museums have we done? We did uh, a museum called the Disney Family Foundation in the Presidio working with Walt Disney's family uh, Great. Kind of an amazing experience and we're, oh, yeah. we we working out of the museums at the moment. but and I the, like I, I like
0: you have how many people working with you? How many architects work here at the firm?
3: Around 300 people work here.
0: Wow oh, yeah. it is and do you have the whole building?
3: We have four floors.
0: Okay, we're we're on Lower Fifth Avenue. Is yeah. it Fifth Avenue? No,
3: we're on Union Square West. Union Square, excuse yeah.
0: me, Union Square West. I I was in a car, but not paying attention to where I knew it was Union Square, but yeah. the market across the street. And um, so you're Union Square West, and what cross street?
3: Uh, between Fourteenth and Fifteenth.
0: So it's a busy place, very busy outside and very busy inside. It's so incredible to see this everybody. neighborhood's
3: transformed so much. Yeah, it really has. You know, I I think a lot of great experiences come from long relationships, like Union Square Cafe, which was on 16th Street. Did you do that? I did the new one, yeah. Oh. And I I was Danny's friend for 20 years before that moved. And sometimes, I don't know if you feel this way, but a little bit of fear in a project helps motivate getting the senses tuned up. So in that case, I didn't want to be the person who killed Union Square Cafe when it moved. Um, but but you, but you didn't. I did not.
0: <laughs> not at all. I like the Union Square Cafe a lot. I miss I miss it here. And yeah. But there's breads.
3: Amazing breads. Isn't that great? Amazing breads. Yeah.
0: So your neighborhood is hopping. Um, so so being an architect with with when how did how did your firm grow? Because this is. I mean, there are a lot of architects, firms that that have, you know, 20, 30 people working for them. This is a monster in terms of
3: architecture. Um, It grew really organically over time, there was no, it's not like my plan was to have a small studio or a big studio, but I was very much about curiosity and grabbing new projects and trying new things, and um, as we kind of aggregated really, I guess, our my core interest early on was hospitality, both in public spaces and in, in restaurants. And as our studios grown, it's working on projects where hospitality helps inform what an airport should be, or what a children's hospital should be, or what a museum should be. So I think as we've taken those different project types, it's just created natural growth. And I got two amazing partners and. Um, it's just been unexpectedly.
0: And your partners are architects?
3: They're both architects, okay. yeah.
0: And uh, you're known as the Rockwell Group. We are. Um, uh, any of your family members in the, in the business? They are not. No. Not yet. <laughs> any, any budding architects in the family?
3: Uh, I have a 20-year-old daughter and a 22-year-old son. And uh, my, my daughter is interested in art. I don't know about architecture yet.
0: Well, architecture is just such a nice uh, way to spend your time uh, creating, as you say, the, the correct spaces for a variety of, uh, of livelihoods, of, uh, of living styles, and, uh, and to focus on hospitality... And you were you were focused on hospitality just at the right time when it started to really burgeon.
3: It's, it's true.
0: Really burgeon, and uh, and it's just it's incredible to see what has happened. These new buildings uh, going up. I mean, you did work. You collaborated on the shed, which yeah. is part of Hudson Yards. Yeah. Hudson Yards opened right before COVID hit.
3: Terrible time. Which was
0: a terrible time. I, my office was at Twenty uh, Sixth Street in the Hudson River, right uh, in the old Starrett Lehigh building. So I, I, I watched, visited you there. Yes, and I watched I watched Hudson Yards emerge from the train yards below. Uh, this amazing complex of fantastic buildings, um, an unfortunate upside down truncated pyramid, which has been—is it still closed?
3: It looks like it's still closed. Oh yeah. It. But you know, I think what defines New York and neighborhoods is really the ground floor. And it's always been the floor. I guess when I first came to New York, I saw these towers and thinking, God, there's people living in every one of those windows. But what gives it its life is the public realm of the ground floor, right?
0: The access to the building, yeah. what, What's on that first floor, the stores? It's why the, the shed was
3: was a you know extraordinary experience to be a part of working with Douglas Caffey, Renfro and, oh, yeah. and Dan Dokruff and Alex Poots. Um, to create a building that could expand and contract depending on its needs. The, the Shed has a, a small um, ground floor restaurant, and they're called Cedric's, named after Cedric Price, who was a British architect who had an idea called the Fun Palace. That never happened, but it was a seminal thought piece that affected every architect about transformable arts buildings, uh, and Danny Meyer operates it. And it is a great place. I've just never in, eaten
0: there. Should I go eat?
3: You have to go eat there. It's okay. right next to Jose's market. Oh,
0: I love Jose's markets. Yeah, Jose too. Andres has a lot of places in there. And you just worked on an, a, a restaurant with Jose.
3: I just did Zatenya. Uh, right. such an amazing man and such a great inspiration and
0: a deep thinker and a doer.
3: De- totally. Yeah, and he has been doing it for ever since I've known him. He's been this,
0: he's been on the west coast of Florida for the last couple weeks, serving meals to all those poor people who have yeah. lost their homes, uh, lost their livelihoods, everything down in Fort Myers and uh, and in the in the coastal islands is there.
3: A total inspiration. Yeah,
0: he's he is incredible. Um, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna see him later this week. I think he'll be back in New York. But um, he did you work on his restaurant in Spain too?
3: No, we worked on the first project I did for him was Haleo in Las Vegas in the Cosmopolitan, uh, which was fantastic. We wanted to do this big open Paella station. And there were so many reasons why people said no. You know, the ventilation people, the code people. and The
0: open fire
3: people. (laughs) Yeah, so he and I pushed it through. And it's now, of course, one of the features that attracts people. People are attracted to... Um, kind of energy sources, and, and no one knows that better than Jose.
0: No, he's he's incredible. But you're, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I now have a restaurant in Las Vegas. Which in, hotel? In the it's in the Paris Hotel. So there's a Nobu right across the hall. I will come visit. And that's right. Did you do that that restaurant?
3: We did all the Nobu's. Yes,
0: visited. and then there's a big Nobu where we go to eat because uh, when we want, we which work. is a
3: Nobu Hotel too. Yes,
0: in the in the Nobu Hotel.
3: So we did the whole hotel. That was their first hotel. And it was an interesting thing because I based the hotel on the notion of omakase, where you're trusting the chef. You know, that idea of there is an actual guiding intelligence and a host that's, that's helping you. So it's not just anonymous luxury.
0: Oh, but I, I like his hotels. I like all the rooms and, and they're yeah. very, it's very different. It's a very different experience. It is sort of like going to Kyoto.
3: It's very and, noble.
0: A, yeah, a very mo- modified way. You know, it's incredible.
3: We're, we're working on a project I'd love you to look at because it's, um, it's your City Harvest in Sunset Park.
0: Where's Sunset Park?
3: Brooklyn. Oh, okay. So they're moving their whole operation to this amazing building.
0: You've been a, you've been a member of that board ever since?
3: Meals on Wheels, I've been a oh, um, member. Oh,
0: not City for, Harvest. Well.
3: Okay. City Harvest, I got a call out of the blue from Ineat Architects and from uh, and, uh, Eric Repair. And the chef's council, I think it's called Eric Repair, Jeffrey Zakarian, Martin Murphy, wanted a display kitchen and an event space on the top. So that's what I designed. But the kitchen is uh, meant to be kind of residential in scale, but kind of a performance. When there's a vent in the room, you could slide open the walls, and the kitchen could be part of that performance.
0: Well, you're, you know how to show things off very well. And I will go see that. that. That sounds interesting. Yeah. So are they going to have uh, chefs cooking there? And,
3: they and are. Know? I is did tell good? Eric my, my dream is that I get to be a sous chef the first time he cooks in the kitchen.
0: He's the best. The Eric best. Prepared, uh, who is the chef owner of the Bernardin here in New York City. Did you work on his restaurant?
3: I did not. No. But I got to go.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's wonderful. Martha Stewart here. As a devoted pet parent and culinary expert, I ensure my cats and dogs are fed the finest nutrition. My premium pet food features air-dried protein inclusion, whole fruits and vegetables, and never any fillers. Martha Stewart pet food formulas make it so easy to satisfy the dietary needs and taste preferences of your pets. Now all six delicious formulas are 50% off. And there's convenient home delivery on Chewy.com. No more lugging heavy bags and your pets will thrive on the optimal nutrition and great taste.
1: Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days.
0: Another one of your uh, very big successes on Broadway. Was that fun to work on?
3: It was a lot of fun to work on. I had worked with the director before. I knew Jerry Mitchell. Jordan's mom, Daryl Woff, was a producer. Yeah. Um, And what was great about it is it's kind of a Cinderella story or an unlikely story where Lola meets Charlie, who's a third-generation shoemaker, and they kind of complete each other in a way you don't expect. So the set is very much informed by how you make boots. All the machines are actually quite realistic. There's a kind of grittiness to it. And then the things that make the boots become a kind of explosion of color when Lola shows up. So the treadmills become these dance places. The walls become Milan. So the the limit of um, let's make it super gritty and realistic and then have that explode with color was a lot of fun.
0: And uh, Sydney Lauper, did she have anything to do with oh, it? Oh, she or was amazing. Harvey
3: Well, Harvey, I had worked with before on hairspray. And, you know, I'd fallen in love with him. He's just the most generous character. And Cindy, uh, I had worked with the first year I became chairman of DIFA, which is the Design Industry Foundation fighting AIDS. My brother had passed away from AIDS in 93. Um, I felt so devastated by um, any ability to, to help and Diffa came along and kind of pointed to creativity as this powerful way to make a difference. Anyway, I did my first event for Diffa at Lincoln Center and Cindy Lauper performed there. So we had a long history and she was very involved in every detail in Kinky Boots.
0: In 2016, now here, here we go. An architect wins a Tony for she loves me. Yeah, Um, and uh, and that's where you met your current amour, who's so fabulous. Um, And you created gorgeous Art Nouveau for um, set for the show. Um, Was that a challenging build?
3: It was just a thrilling, full-out. love story, um, starting with Scott Ellis, the director and someone I'd worked with before. And the lyricist was Sheldon Harnick, who's now 97. Wow. And he wrote the lyrics to Fiddler on the Roof, which was the first show I ever wow. saw. can you imagine. Uh, and I did meet uh, an amazing woman named Jane Krakowski on the, on the set. So it was just a, a one-of-a-kind thrill. And then the as we started to get into it, I had this notion that the flower, the uh, perfumery, we looked at a lot of flower shops as well, but this perfumery in, in Budapest could open up and go from kind of the outer lives of these people to the inner lives. So it was it was a complicated build, but it was total total joy.
0: Did you go to Budapest? to see? I did. What what flowers were they using?
3: Uh, well, it was it's a perfumery, uh, but in looking at research, I found some flower shops that had the density of product in the window that I wanted to get with these perfume bottles. And all the perfume bottles were custom made for the show, like 350 different pieces. So it, it was a lot of complicated
0: adventures. Really so on Broadway, do you go to see Broadway to see the competition? All the time. You do. What was your last... Favorite favorite show?
3: Well, the last show I saw was a few days ago. I saw uh, The Piano Lesson, which was... Inc- I,
0: heard, I heard it's wonderful.
3: Incredible. Really powerful. Um, and tonight, I'm going to a one-night-only benefit reading that we designed of The Pirates of Penzance. Oh,
0: how fantastic. Yeah. So a reading. What's a reading?
3: In voice? It's a staged reading. So it's a gala. People are paying money. <clears throat> They've had one week to work on it. Uh, <clears throat> the band will be on stage.
0: So somebody's singing?
3: They're all, oh, they're they're, all singing. The, the cast is singing and they'll dance and do one or two production numbers. But it's a way to test out material. That's that's so much fun. We,
0: I think we did Pirates of Penzance
3: in high school, our drama club.
0: Were you very in the drama com- club? Very, oh yeah, very complicated um, lyrics.
3: Very complicated. you got to yeah. sing very fast. Very
0: fast. <laughs> it's like a, a record on, uh, on
3: speed. Yeah.
0: So, Back to the restaurants because I I, I that's how, where I first heard about you and noticed your noticed your work. Um, the um, were you surprised? Were you surprised about your success in the in the world of restaurants? I mean, you're you're you are the preeminent designer of restaurants. It seems all over the place. Besides Nobu and Jose Andres, who else have you designed for?
3: John George, Jeffrey Zuckerman. We're working with Simon Kim right now from COAT, Daniel Ballou, uh, Tatsuya Wakuda. Have you been to his place in Las Vegas? Uh, no, which one is that? It's called Wakuda.
0: No, I have not been there amazing yet. Amazing
3: Japanese chef. Oh. okay. Um, I will go next visit. So we've worked for a lot of amazing people, and yet yeah, totally surprising, totally unexpected. And um, I think, I, you know... My primary outlook is to stay very curious and be open to new experiences and go to as many places as I can. I was given great advice in an early internship, uh, which I think you would appreciate. The architect gave me a tape measure. And he said, if you go to places you like, analyze what you like about them, analyze the quality of life, start to understand distances. And um, I do think restaurants are, you know, this kind of space in which people get to come together and have these very memorable experiences. So I am a student of what makes them work, whether that's places that just happen on their own or places that are designed, but I think you have to stay a student if you want to stay ahead of of new ideas.
0: Well, I have a a motto which is learn something new every day, which is about being a student all the time. Well, you really do that.
3: And you also teach every day. Yeah,
0: Yeah. You can't teach without studying. Uh, constantly, and, and you, your work certainly displays that. You have a lot of pictures here. What are all these pictures in front of us? D- these are the Into pictures of
3: Into the Woods, uh, which was um, at Encores. I don't know if you've been to museums at Encores do, but they're very limited resources. They run for a few days, or in this case, two weeks. So we had our model shop make these miniature dimensional houses that in a very small way indicate these locations. And then it opens up to this um, forest, and again we used uh, dimensional. These are sonotubes that are laser cut, so we can see open space. So it suggests kind of the loss of into the woods, as well as these beautiful dappled light trees in the band sits at the center of all of these wow. platforms. So
0: not in a pit. Not in a pit. totally visible.
3: And the audience, of the actors can move around it. So you're really in the same space. Um, the trees can be internally lit, so when the giant comes, the trees light and can shake. Oh. Um, so is that,
0: is that, does that come from you, the, the trees?
3: The trees are, every part of oh, the physical that. thing is from us. And if you notice the moon in the second act,
0: yeah, what is that?
3: That's a light box, uh, and it lowers as the day progresses. Movement in theater is one of the things you don't get to do in architecture very much, right?
0: Better not. I don't want my house moving.
3: (laughs) Um, Well, this is Take Me Out, which is coming back to Broadway. I did it last year. It won Best Revival. And I did it at the Helen Hayes Theater, which is the one Broadway show as an architect that I got to renovate. So it was interesting to work in that space. So it it takes place, it's a Richard Greenberg play about a baseball player who comes out as gay, very proud about it, and then how the world sort of starts to collapse around him and what happens. So it takes place in this locker room that's meant to feel very exposed. And the lockers move upstage and there's a quite famous shower scene grating in the floor and shower comes down and they're taking showers naked in front of this, you know, kind of expressing the vulnerability of that locker room.
0: How did you drain the water?
3: We drained the water in a six-inch trough, which is, you know, had to be flat because you don't want to elevate the stage or people are looking up. So sight lines are critical and it's recycled water. And these turn and flip, and on the back we have a beautiful um, painting that represents the
0: playing field.
3: field. And then at the very end of the play, we have a series of dimensional lights that can come in, and this shows the shower. Mm -hmm. So the showers are controlled individually, and you can see you're getting this really deep view of the water, the faucets, and the locker room.
0: there's not much running water on Broadway.
3: There is not. And there's a reason for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it was a there, nightmare. Was it a nightmare?
3: It was a nightmare. We, we, had a, we had a special effects water person. We had to audition many different shower heads. Oh boy. Which ones did you use? We used ones that was, we started with hardware that I was familiar with. It was really something that you could adjust the flow so you had a volume of water, but not so much that it splashed on stage. Because when you have water on stage, normally you'd have someone clean up.
0: Yeah, and there's nobody there. There's nobody
3: there. Yeah. And uh, incredible. And then the very end of the show has this beautiful silhouette. Did of you it.
0: design? I think you did the TED auditorium in Vancouver. I did. Oh gosh, that was something. was. I went there that that when that year. What year was that? That was.
3: I'm so bad in oh, years. Eight. Yeah. Not that long. No, I, well,
0: but it was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful, and it was all made out of sort of like. Found wood.
3: It was all locally sourced that's wood, right. and it smelled so great. It, didn't did, it
0: Yeah, Also, like cedar or something like that, or pine. Or
3: you asked, was I was um, the she loves me a challenging technical project. Yeah. The TED theater was. Uh, it's a. I think you gave it. a
0: talk about it that at the. T- oh, you yeah. did. That's right. So that it was incredible, and everybody's like looking around because it was like Jerry built. Yeah. And and you had to do it so quickly, and I and, did. Yeah. And then it
3: packs back that's up right. and comes out. This is the City Harvest project I mentioned. And you can see these sliding bronze screen doors, which have all the product for the chefs, can close off. This is beautiful. So, um, and I'm excited about that transition. Oh, and
0: what a beautiful kitchen.
3: And all reclaimed oak from barn. So just given City Harvest's mission, we try to use as much reclaimed yeah. as we could. Um,
0: and this is all kind of new work, everybody. This is, I mean, you have to just... Look up uh, online David's work, David Rockwell Group, and, and you'll see the most amazing assortment of fine, of fine architecture and ingenuity. Because that's what, ooh, this is the civilian.
3: This may be, at um. the moment, the thing that's nearest dearest to my heart. It's a, a small, ground up hotel on 48th Street. We did the Greenwich Hotel, which is a beautiful brick building in, in Greenwich. Um, and on 48th Street, this developer came to me and said, I'm going to put up a small hotel, teeny rooms. What brand should it be? And I had been thinking for 10 or 15 years, been seeking to Danny Meyer about it. Why isn't there a place in the theater district that's about the theater community? So he agreed, and we created the building and also curated a collection of 350 pieces of theater art that constantly rotates. Oh, great. So in some ways, this celebrates the theater artist you never get to see. You mentioned MJ, the amount of people Derek McLean set, Natasha Katz's lighting, um, uh, all, all of that is made and then goes away. So we created a series of spaces. This is the Blue Room, and all of these uh, elements are being reset this week. They've been up for a year, all borrowed.
0: And they all come from theater? From, they all uh, from come various, from? Uh, various, uh, plays.
3: Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and everywhere you look, there's uh, curated. These photographs are changing out. They're going to be all the sketches of the best costume design from last year from those artists. Um, but there's one, I don't have, have a picture of a model room.
0: And the brick, where does that brick come from?
3: Uh, the brick is reclaimed brick. Yeah. yeah. And this is an outdoor terrace, and then this restaurant opens up in a couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if you knew Tony Walton. Oh, yes. So Tony great. Walton was one of the greats.
0: Set designers. Set
3: designers. I think, he,
0: I think he did so many uh, English English import uh, yeah. plays.
3: And movies. Yeah. Uh, he won an Academy Award for Mary Poppins, I think. Right. So when I started Civilian Thinking About it, I went to him and I said, can you contribute something? And he had done these beautiful drawings of the some theaters for Playbill, and he had done twelve of them. And I asked every working set designer if they wanted to do another one. So every Broadway theater is represented by a light fixture and a and a uh, plaque. Okay. So it really pays tribute to these forty-one buildings that people don't pay much attention so to. So this is
0: a bar and a restaurant and, and a hotel. hotel. Yeah,
3: and. This is the room I so. Wait. If you're
0: coming from out of town to go to a Broadway show or a week of shows, uh, look at look up the civilian. When does it open?
3: It's open. Oh, it's open. So Come. You,
0: you might be able to get a room at the civilian. Come
3: stay there, and yeah. everywhere you look, you'll see theater artists doing the rooms, the wall coverings. Oh, it's so interesting. So these models of current shows all change out. They're changing out. Too. I
0: bet some people know every single one of those things. The ones who are inveterate theater goers. That is true. Yeah,
3: um, like you. And even the rooms have one or two pieces of theater art in them.
0: Beautiful. Of all the hotels that you've designed, which would be your favorite to stay in?
3: Well, it's a great question because I think at the end of the day, what makes a great hotel experience is the invisible things like air conditioning that's not drafty, light switches you can dim by the bed. I would probably say the Greenwich Hotel. Yes. Yeah. I just think it's impeccably operated. We just completed, or in completing, a renovation of the Boca Raton, which is an Addison Meisner structure. Oh, such a beautiful structure. Beautiful structure, and... Um, the is ma- this the
0: one with the giant pool outside? It is. Oh, I did a commercial in that pool. Did For, you? for Kmart.
3: Amazing.
0: <laughs> we had water ballet in that giant no. pool. We did. It was so incredible and uh, and this is uh, and the hotel is so impressive so beautiful so you're so, restoring the whole lobby and, and all the rooms everything
3: everything in, in uh, oh. five different restaurants for major food group um, one just opened up so they're opening up a little bit at a time and it's one of the rare things in architecture is to have a long relationship with someone you're doing work over time like we do for Nobu
0: this is beautiful
3: um, and you asked about museums this is just under construction in Miami, it's Fotografiska, which is now in New York, um, and they're a a photo museum that is constantly doing new shows. Have you been to the one in New York?
0: No, not yet.
3: And it's where the restaurant Veronica is.
0: Oh, no, excuse me. Yes, I have been there. Because I love that restaurant so much, so beautiful, and I, it's it's uh, downstairs or upstairs from Veronica.
3: Upstairs, upstairs.
0: that's right. we did go. We went it's, and saw one of the sh- early shows. Yeah, that, right when it opened.
3: And the so, building's incredible.
0: It is an incredible. Did you do that whole place? I did not. Oh, I
3: wish I had. Oh, There's but, lots of things I wish but, I had. But, but
0: here you are doing this. Here I am.
3: So this is right near the Rubell Museum in Miami. It's a concrete building, and we're your concrete. No, the oh. inner structure is oh, okay. concrete these are wood fins that are uh, spaced out so they open up towards the middle and create this loggia in the front.
0: Those are beautiful.
3: Aren't those beautiful? Yeah. And I think in this neighborhood when you get in the inner space is this oh, look. courtyard that all of the galleries spin off of so it's really very much based on the climate there with this large-scale terrazzo mm. set in a pattern.
0: That is beautiful. Oh, can't wait to go there. I love the Rubelle too. So this too. And in. I love her. A nice visit. Yes. yes. So incredible. Well, it looks like you're uh, continuing to be extremely busy. And uh, do you ever go on trips?
3: I did. I went away for 12 days in September to Sicily and Rome.
0: Any inspiration in Sicily? Oh my God,
3: nothing but inspiration. Um, Isn't it a beautiful place? Beautiful, beautiful place. Um, and also lots of new relationships. I imagine, like you, when I go places, I'm collecting collaborators, so. The floor Sebastian, who does the San Andreas oh, yes. and the Hotel de Russi in Rome, he is someone we've been in touch with. Oh, how
0: great. I, I hope, I, I, I'm dying to go back to Sicily because that is, uh, it was one of my favorite places on, on Earth. I've been there um, three or four times, but I was looking for the home of Il Gatto Pardo, um, and then I'm, I'm, we're driving everywhere up in the mountains looking for this home where the leopard was written right, by uh, Lampedusa. Did and you find it? It had been destroyed in an earthquake in 1965 or something.
3: Wow. Was it on one of the Aeolian Islands? No, or? no, no. It
0: was on Sicily. It's on the mainland, mm-hmm. but, it, but up high. And so
3: near Mount Etna maybe?
0: No, but, not that far out, but it was, it was destroyed oh in, in, a, in an earthquake. And uh, so we never found it, but <laughs> it was fun looking for it. But what an incredible island with so much so much good stuff. Oh, I, I can't wait to see what you do there. That'll be fun. Well, we have talked so much, and, uh, and I, I'm, I'm just in awe of the volume and variety of the work that you do, David. And you keep going and going and going, making more and more beautiful places, Uh, places for us to sit and eat, places for us to sit and look at things, and places for us to stay. And I um, wish you luck um, with all your future
3: projects. I'm inspired by what you do, so that Um, means a lot.
0: Well, thank you very much for um, speaking with us today, and I'm sure our audience is going to be um, very enamored of your conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Martha Stewart here. As a devoted pet parent and culinary expert, I ensure my cats and dogs are fed the finest nutrition. My premium pet food features air-dried protein inclusion, whole fruits and vegetables, and never any fillers. Martha Stewart Pet Food Formulas make it so easy to satisfy the dietary needs and taste preferences of your pets. Now all six delicious formulas are 50% off. And there's convenient home delivery on Chewy.com. No more lugging heavy bags and your pets will thrive on the optimal nutrition
1: and great taste. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots